Welcome to Weed and Wealth episode three. And it's fitting that this is episode three because this is my third take. But anyway, I'm your host, Jay. On this week's episode, I'm kind of sort of going to remix my green product of the week. And then I'll jump into our two topics of the of the day. I'm not doing this again. So I'm going to start a new segment called Fast Topic of the Week. Uh, I'm always going to do two topics, but I decided to call this one the Fast Topic of the Week because it's going to be shorter than the second topic. But our Fast Topic of the Week comes from one of our listeners, and I'm sure a lot of you will be able to relate marriage and money. And then I'm going to jump to our main topic of the week, Investing 101. So again, welcome to this week's episode. I was formerly One Take J, now I'm on the third take, but here we go. So again, um, I hope everyone had a really good week. Mine was pretty chill, per usual. Um, I got to try a couple new recipes, so that's always a plus. And there was a lot of talk about chicken sandwiches this week. Like, everywhere I went, everywhere I looked, people were talking about the Popeye's chicken sandwich. I mean, how good can it be? Side sidebar, I actually went to try it and it was damn good. Um, it was so good, it's, it's done for Chick-fil-A in this house. We're a Popeye's family now. Gotta get used to it. But anyway, it made me start thinking, you know, I think I'm a pretty good cook. So I started thinking of new chicken sandwich recipes. And this Sunday, I'm going to roll out a new chicken sandwich recipe. And I'm pretty excited about that. So if you want to check that out and anything else I've cooked in the past, uh, be sure to follow me on IG. I also post financial tips and other random stuff. But I think I'm a pretty good follow. Um... You can follow me on IG at weed underscore and wealth. That's weed underscore A-N-D wealth. So as I said earlier, I'm going to kind of sort of remix my project product of the week segment. As I said in the first episode, not only will I talk about weed and other products that contain THC, but I'm also going to talk a lot about CBD products, maybe even more so simply because is more accessible to more people that listen. So with that being said, with me talking so much about CBD oils, I'd be doing you guys a disservice if I didn't talk to you about how to make sure you're buying legit CBD products. I mean, CBD is everywhere now, and there's stores and vape shops on every corner, probably in the town you live in. But there's also a lot of fake and diluted products out there. So I want to help you make sure that you're getting the product that you're paying for. So I think first and foremost, of course, you want to make sure you're getting your product from a legit manufacturer. So how do you do that? When you read the bottle or the box, you should a big thing that a lot of legit manufacturers post is that they've done third party testing and they'll have those test results not only available online, but you can also usually um, get them by request. And that's just so the date of the testing, the name of the lab that did the testing. Also, make sure it's grown in the U.S. I know with with weed, marijuana, the best stuff doesn't come from the U.S. But it's kind of reversed, at least right now, with CBD oil. Um, most people believe that the best CBD oil derives from Colorado and Cali. But I found, like, you know, even in your home state, if you can find a product that's um, locally sourced, those are really good CBD products too. 
And like most things I ingest, whether I'm eating it or drinking it, you know, you might want to take that extra step and make sure it's organic and non-GMO. So those are things to look for. Also, you should buy it from a store you trust. Now, like I said, there's vape shops and CBD signs everywhere, and some of those places are good, but you don't know which ones are. So I would encourage you to go to Google or go to Yelp and just read reviews. Um, you know, out of the five-star system, I personally wouldn't go buy a product from anywhere that didn't have at least four stars. Um, and if going to a local shop isn't for you, you can go to some of your local grocers, like where I live, there's Publix, there's Harris Teeter, they sell CBD products, and even national chains like Earth Fair and then CVS and Walgreens has a host of CBD, not just oils, but various products. So your comfort level should be pretty good going to any one of those places. Additionally, like with anything you buy that you put in your body, check the expiration dates because, yeah, CBD products do have an expiration date. Now, they have a shelf life of 12 to 18 months, so, you know, it's pretty, pretty broad range, but you still check it. And I don't think, I don't know if it's most important, but it's really important. Any CBD oil you get should be in a really, really dark brown glass container or a black container. And the reason being is that you can feel confident that product hasn't been damaged by light and heat. Now, a lot of people ask me about well, can I take CBD at my job? How much THC is in it? Will I get in trouble when I take a drug test? Um, now, the measure for CBD oil is that it contains less than half a percent of THC. Personally, I'd be shocked if anybody got knocked at their job for having less than half a percent of THC in their system. But just in case, I'll run through the three main categories of CBD oils and you can decide for yourself which one is best for you. The first is a CBD isolate. Now that is a pure CBD oil, um, but as far as the health benefits out of the three that I'm gonna talk about, it's definitely on the bottom uh, for the health benefits. It still has a lot, but it's still not um, as healthy and potent as the next two that I'm gonna recommend. Me personally, I love full spectrum CBD. Full spectrum is a CBD, they use the whole plant. Now, that's widely considered to be the strongest, um, I guess, level of CBD you can get, but it also has more health benefits and it has guaranteed no more than half a percent of THC. So there will be some THC in there, but no more than half a percent. Now, if you kind of want the best of both worlds, you can go for a broad spectrum CBD. That's probably the most popular level of CBD. It's a bit of a mix between the CBD isolate, which is the weakest as far as health benefits and full spectrum. So it's a good mix in the middle and it contains zero THC. So for people that may be a little paranoid or worried, but still want to get those benefits, that's generally the one I point people to. And you'll see it no matter what brand you get, it'll say on the label if it's broad spectrum or full spectrum, etc. So there you go with that. Um, again, buy it from a store you trust. Um, me personally, I'm not necessarily a fan of these corner stores or trailers that say, we sell CBD here along with pet food and sandals. That's not where I wanna get my CBD from. But, you know, again, personally, I like the organic and the non-GMO products. Now, you know I couldn't do my green product of the week without actually giving you a green product of the week. So my two favorite national brands that you guys should be able to find anywhere that has CBD oil, Plus CBD and New Leaf. 
New Leaf is N-U-L-E-A-F. Um, they're both really good products. Again, they have a good national presence. And New Leaf, you don't even have to leave the house. You can order that um, online. Just go to the New Leaf website. I don't know if it's newleaf.com or whatever, but just Google N-U-Leaf and you can find it there. So, yeah, that's it for my green product of the week not necessarily a straight recommendation but i just want to make sure that for you who are new to cbd oils that you're not getting ripped off that you're getting the good stuff and that you know you're making an informed decision so now on to our fast topic of the week marriage and money i am sure this is a hot button for a lot of couples now for the most part i can only really speak confidently on what's worked for me and my wife but personally, I think as a couple, being on the same page and, and establishing a financial identity is key. And that means you two personally just have to decide what your thoughts are on money. Maybe you two don't care about money. Maybe you two want to blow it all. I just think whatever you decide, you both need to agree for the most part about your thoughts on money, like how it should be spent, coming to an agreement on lifestyle and agreeing on your current and future financial goals and if you don't have future financial goals you should sit down and come up with some future financial goals your future self will thank you so for us um establishing our financial identity that just means living well below our means with a future goal of retiring in our 40s now for other couples that may look like deciding on how to tackle debt together setting a household budget deciding how much each of you are going to contribute to your 401ks etc but you know you just need to i think personally you need to have those conversations together and speaking of together one hot topic i've heard from quite a few couples is separate accounts or not honestly i can see the argument both ways now in our house all money that comes in the house is visible to both of us no matter what but no matter what your setup is joint or separate accounts i think to have a financially healthy marriage there's just certain things that you can't do like keeping secrets when it comes to purchases guys if you're going out and you're gonna go buy some speakers and you guys have a financial plan let her know that you're going to buy it just there's no need to sneak around spending your own money if you think you need to sneak around and buy it because you think it's going to cause some uproar over um the financial agreement that you came to probably shouldn't get the speakers ladies in the same tone if you've already bought three pair of shoes this month and you know that fourth pair is going to put you over budget don't sneak and hide them in the trunk and pop them out next month just you know keep it open keep it 100 with your partner and you know see how that works out but keeping secrets when it comes to purchases i think that's just a big negative for a financially healthy couple unless you're buying a gift or something I just think that's something that you shouldn't do. And another big one, you can't micromanage your spouse. I mean, come on, you guys are both grown. If your spouse spends a little extra money on lunch this week or wants to get coffee a few times a week, there's no need to turn that into an argument. Or honestly, I don't even think it's worth bringing up. But most importantly, I think you have the high financial chemistry. If you didn't have it in the beginning of the marriage, you can work on it and build it now because zero none of this works if you aren't on the same page you can't have one of you working to pay down debt and the other half going on a shopping spree every other weekend it just doesn't work 
So my final advice is just keep your eyes on the same prize. Talk about money often and talk about it in a healthy way. You know, review your goals. The goals you set in 2019, you may want to revisit them and revise them in 2021. But whatever that is, just make sure that you do it together. And if nothing else, those are just great building blocks to make sure you're in a position to have a financially healthy marriage. Now, we're gonna move on to today's main topic, investing 101. Kids going back to school, some kids going to college, teachers going back to class to teach. So I figured investing 101 was a great topic to have this week. Now I know there's a lot of people who want to invest, but they really don't know where to start. Don't worry, I'm here. I'm gonna try to help you out. I'm not a great explainer, but I hope that you'll understand the investing basics a little bit better after this segment. Hopefully this will prove to be a simple yet direct investment roadmap that you can use or at least get you closer on the right path um, than you were before listening. So let's get to it. So number one in investing 101, you have to set a goal. You need to decide why you want to invest. Sure. I want to make money and I want to retire with some money in my pocket is a good reason, but you need to understand that investing, especially for beginners, is a long-term thing. It is not a get-rich-quick scheme. So setting goals for long-term saving, retirement, etc., is just good practice. Like I tell people often, good investing is boring. You're not, it's not like the Wolf of Wall Street. You're not going to be running around the house saying, I made this much money today. I'm making this much money. Good investing is boring. It just takes consistency, time after time, month after month, year after year. Next, find a good online broker. Now, the broker is who you're going to buy your stocks from. And honestly, there's a ton of different brokers, but there's not really a huge difference between brokers. As I tell most people, Think about it as when you go to get gas. Whether you get it from BP, Exxon, Shell, it doesn't really matter. They all sell gas. Now, most banks have an in-house broker under them, so I just find it easier to go that route. So it just to me, it makes it easier to transfer money and you just is one less account to log into because you can just normally log into your main bank account and you can see your um, find um, your investment account information below it and you can easily transfer money from your checking or savings account directly into your Roth IRA or your brokerage account for example I use Bank of America and Bank of America is connected to Merrill Lynch which is now Merrill Edge so that's how, who I use but a couple other ones that um, are pretty highly regarded TD Ameritrade E-Trade but honestly like I said for the most part all of them are pretty much created equal. And if you want more information than that, just go to Google, type in Nerd Wallet, best reviews for online brokers, and they'll point you in the right direction and give you some more in-depth information on both. Number three, fund your Roth IRA. This is where you want to transfer your money and invest so you can purchase stocks or funds, mainly funds. Um. I recommend Roth IRAs before a standard investment account. I personally 
by a long shot think a Roth IRA is the best account out there simply because it gives you more flexibility. Even if even if you're a person who's using your savings account um, as your emergency fund, I encourage people to use their Roth IRA as an emergency fund. And I'll tell you why. Now, first off, it has a max yearly contribution of $6,000. Once you put more than once you put $6,000 in it, you can't put any more in it for that year. But the beauty in a Roth IRA is that all contributions can be withdrawn tax and penalty free. What does that mean? Let me explain. So let's say you've been contributing to your Roth IRA for the last two years and you've contributed $12,000. Remember the yearly max is $6,000. Let's say that account has grown to, I don't know, $15,000. Something happens. You have an emergency. You can withdraw up to that $12,000 because that's how much you contributed. You can withdraw that tax and penalty free. By a long shot, I think that's the best vehicle for saving for a child, for emergency fund. Again, I just love Roth IRAs. I think it's the best investment vehicle out there. Next, you need to decide what you want to buy. And now this is where I have to interject and say, Jay is not a licensed financial advisor. I'm just a guy giving advice. There, I did my legal due diligence. Now that that's out of the way, I know you guys see a lot of stock talk everywhere. People say buy this stock. People say buy that stock. I met a guy on the golf course. He bought this stock. He made this much money. And this is just my personal advice. Do not chase individual stocks until you are either a more seasoned investor or you are in a position with money you can lose. Not a fan of new investors buying individual stocks. With that being said, again, I know a majority of people have an everyday savings account and it pains my heart. Those those saving accounts that you guys have, what are they giving these days? One, 1.5% if that? My suggestion is simple. Again, so simple that it's probably boring. One of my favorite Warren Buffett quotes say says, beware of investment activity that produces applause. The great moves are usually greeted by yawns because in that end quote, because good investing is pretty boring. So I readily tell new investors, especially investors coming straight from a savings account to investing, just invest in the S&P 500 and call it a day. Now the S&P 500 is a collection of the top 500 companies in the US. Now why do I tell people to invest in the S&P 500 and call it a day? Simple. Let me pull a quote from a Forbes article from three years ago which I love and it says and I quote, the S&P 500 has offered a yearly return of more than 10% over the last 90 years. That's including the stock market crash of 2008 and the Great Impression. Great Depression. This includes three recessions. End quote. Long, the takeaway from that, long story less long, 10% is greater than 1%. Now, if you listen to the first two episodes, you know I love giving real world examples. 
So to give you an example that that extra 9% can make you over a 25 year period, let me toss out this scenario. Person A, they're starting with $5,000 in their investment account. No, sorry, they're starting with $5,000 in their savings account. Now they're going to invest $250 a month, that's just over $62 a week, for a total of $3,000 a year. They're gonna do that diligently, consistently, for 25 years into that super platinum savings account that their bank told them was the best thing ever. And you know what, screw that 1%, because you're a loyal customer, your bank's gonna give you 1.5%. You know they try to hype up the name to make you feel like you're getting some super exclusive high-end account. So in 25 years, you will have made about $99,000. Hmm, sounds good. That's almost $100,000. You started out with $5,000. You feel pretty good about yourself and your super platinum savings account. Now person B, they're going to start with the same $5,000 as person A. They're gonna invest that same $250 a month, that same $62 a week, that same $3,000 a year, and they're gonna do it for that same 25 year period. Now the difference is, instead of that super platinum savings account, they're just gonna simply invest in an S&P fund that nets them 10% a year. In 25 years, that $5,000 will now have grown to almost $379,000. That is a difference of over $280,000. As I said last week, people, it's not magic, it's just math. Again, I know and understand that the prospect of investing in the stock market sounds scary, but if you stay ultra conservative your whole life, with regards to your money, the truth is you may never see retirement. And I hate to quit picking on this fictitious 70 year old greeter in Walmart, but you do not want to be that person. So I'm not gonna leave you hanging. I'm not just gonna tell you to invest in the S&P 500 and leave it there. I'm gonna give you two examples. But again, remember, I'm not a certified financial planner. I'm just a guy giving advice. So. The two S&P funds that I would invest in are VOO and SWPPX, two solid funds that follow, track, mimic the S&P 500. Now for my more seasoned investors and those of you that might want a slight step up from the standard S&P 500 fund, now it's going to have a slightly higher risk, but it's going to have a, a much higher reward as well. I would encourage you to check out USMV, VDIGX, or VGT. And it's simple to research all of these. You just go to Google and type in those three or four letters. And worst case, if you get stuck, shoot me a message. If you, if you know me in person, you know I have no problem walking you through this, help, helping show you the differences between all of the funds. And honestly, that's it, folks. That's all there is to it. Just steady, consistent, monthly, yearly investing into your investment account will make a huge difference. Resist the urge to go chasing that hot stock because you heard people talk about it. And remember, slow and steady will make a huge difference in your future financial situation. Whew. 
that seemed like a super long episode, probably because this was my third time recording it, but we made it. Episode three is a wrap. If you like what you heard, be sure to hit that subscribe and like button and tell a friend to tell a friend. Also, look for me on IG at weed underscore A-N-D wealth. That's weed underscore A-N-D wealth. And remember, the podcast is on all major podcasting platforms, Apple, Spotify, Google, and a host more. As always, I appreciate you guys listening. And to next week, I wish you nothing but weed and wealth. See you guys next Friday.